welcome to episode three of What Comes Next, the ACS podcast, season two with me, Claire Cowan. ACS International Schools is a people-focused charity with three schools in Greater London and one in Doha, Qatar. This episode takes us to ACS Egham. Situated on 20 acres of glorious English countryside, ACS Egham is an IB World School of more than 500 students aged 4 to 18 and 160 expert faculty and staff from over 50 countries. ACS Egham is the only school in England fully authorised to offer all four international baccalaureate IB programmes. The school offers state-of-the-art IT labs, playgrounds, forest school activities and sports fields, enhanced by an outstanding visual arts and design technology centre. The campus also features a dedicated drama space and stunning sports centre complex. We're joined today by Head of School, Mark Wilson. You've been Head of School for a year now. What brought you to ACS? Hi, Claire. Thank you so much for inviting me uh, to participate in this podcast. I love the title, What Comes Next? I like the way it invites us all to think about the future and sparks a sense of hope and possibilities that I find really interesting and exciting. I am Mark Wilson. I am a father, a son, a husband, a brother, a friend, a martial artist, a guitarist, a novice gardener, a wanderer, a coach, an educator, a school leader. There are many labels that could be attached to me, um, just as I'm sure there are for you. Although you haven't invited me here just to explore the diversity and complexity of myself, I share it with you because in the context of this podcast and the role of head of school at ACS Egham, a lot of what we will talk about, I think, is connected to this point. You know, we are more than a title. We are more than a job. We are more than the university we attended. We are more than a collection of letters and numbers an education system assigns us. And I see part of my role as head of school, ensuring that all of our learners, and by that I mean our students, our staff and our parents, because hopefully we are all always learning, continuing to grow and appreciate the beauty in this world. I like to think of my role as helping us all navigate our lives, whichever stage we may be in, keeping our heads up and don't let people become too narrow at any given moment. And despite the pressure of exams and inspections, I guess a little bit like a captain of a ship. I like to keep one eye on the horizon and guide that ship towards its destination. It's sadly all too easy for students, teachers, parents to be drawn into exams and focus just on sets of numbers, letters or university destinations. And we are all more than that. However, the more conventional answer to your question is, I started my teaching career in London. I moved to Northeast Essex, where I worked in a few schools and a number of different leadership roles and ultimately rose to the post of deputy head of a large secondary school before I was then uh, encouraged to take up my first headship, which I did in Shanghai, China, at the British International School of Shanghai. I worked there for six years, six fantastic years, before I had an opportunity to move to Houston, Texas, in the US and work on a really exciting project of moving the British International School of Houston into a brand new $80 million 40-acre campus that I was involved in helping to design. And we designed that all around learners and learning. And that project really helped me focus on how uh, the spaces that we can use can either limit or unleash learning. I've had the privilege of working with some inspirational school leaders across the world. And I wasn't really looking for a move at the time that the ACS Egham Head of School role came up. But this is a particular school that I've looked at and wanted to work at for many years. 
And then with the ACS International School's purpose of inspiring the next global thinkers and doers, uh, I just think who wouldn't want to be a part of that? And you link that with the charitable elements of the of the school and the organisation and the possibility to impact not just ACS students, but an array of local students from all backgrounds. I knew this was a school that aligned with my values, my educational vision, and I wanted to be a part of it. My predecessor had held the post for, I think it was 12 years. So I thought if I don't apply now, I don't know when it would come open again. This was really the only school that I was interested in moving back to the UK for. And I was fortunate enough to be appointed to the role. It sounds like it's the perfect fit from everything you've said. How has your first year at ACS Egham been and what changes have you implemented? Well, this year has been a, a beautiful paradox. Right? It's full of inspirational moments, personal and professional challenges, insights, successes and failures. I've met some wonderful young people, some passionate staff, realised that I had become somewhat institutionalised through my previous schools group, but I also realised that they had trained me really well. Uh, most importantly, I've enjoyed the journey and I'm really excited about what comes next. And the second part of your question is intriguing. So you've asked me about what changes I've, I've implemented. Well, many years ago, when I was a younger school leader, uh, I was seconded to work one day a week for the UK Department for Education Innovations Unit, as it was known then. And this was transformational for me in so many ways, one of which was working with a head of school who had just been nominated for Head Teacher of the Year. And I was driving us to a conference, which we were both speaking at, and she'd received a call that told her she'd made it into that final. And I asked her what advice she'd give a new head. And her advice is what I've really followed in all my headships, including this one. And that was to spend time listening looking, talking to people, yeah, learning to understand the school, to give yourself time to think strategically before implementing any major change. I think that's what I've spent the year doing, seeking first to understand before trying to be understood. Now, inevitably, I've made some changes along the way. However, I would like to think that most of them would be considered cultural and foundational rather than necessarily big initiatives at this stage. For example, I have three core behaviours I've developed over the years. Number one is take responsibility. Number two is seek feedback. And number three is collaborate. These are what I expect of anyone in the school and what I expect of myself. And those have lined authentically for me with the ACS values of imagine better, work together, act with kindness, welcome everyone and aim high and make it happen. So I think I've been building a foundational culture based on those core behaviours and values. I started my life, my career many, many years ago as a drama teacher. And there's a line from a David Mamet play called Glen Gary Glen Ross, which is about, talks about the, the mindset of salespeople. It says, always be closing. And I adapted that years ago to always be modeling. Uh, and I've tried in every interaction with each student, staff member, parent, in every meeting and each moment to always be modeling uh, these behaviors and these values, all of which I've, I've found to be really useful and helped me create that culture. And any of us who have studied leadership will know that the leader sets the tone for the organisation. So to seek first to understand before trying to be understood, and I work with people on positive ways forward that we can all believe in. And this type of cultural change takes time. It's not easy for me to point to one thing and say, there it is, this is the change that I've implemented. I think it's about feeling, you know, about a, a sense of belonging, a culture where everyone has a voice and opportunities to lead. And then leadership is not about titles for me, it's about action. We can, and I would argue we all should lead. And as part of my role is to extend that invitation and 
create a culture that fosters this kind of contributive approach to leadership. After all, it's not my school. I'm only a temporary steward. The school belongs to the community, and it's only together that we can shape and, and, and grow it into a, a world-leading international school that others look to for inspiration, guidance, and support. But if you were going to ask me you know, some examples of some specific change, I suppose one that I hope builds this culture is the introduction of what we call the Jaguar Jamboree, which is our weekly video podcast that invites the community into the school to see all the wonderful things that I get to see each week. I suppose that's one sort of specific example of something we've done that's slightly different this year. Now, I think that people are bombarded with information in today's world. And the visual nature of social media, I found that having like a short video each week is more engaging as a communication tool than perhaps a more traditional newsletter. And the overwhelming positive feedback that I've had from parents and students and staff about the Jaguar Jamboree would seem to support this approach. And then out of all the listening and understanding has come a draft strategic plan, which I am really excited to be sharing with the community after the summer break. I'll be leading workshops with staff, students, parents that will help build out that plan and give us all a shared vision and a shared sense of direction for how we can move ACS Egham forward. Exciting times ahead, Mark, and I love to hear the passion with which you talk about your role. At ACS Egham, you teach all four IB programmes. Can you explain the benefits of the IB versus the traditional British system? I'm going to focus my answer, though, if it's okay, on what I believe to be the benefits of the IB education rather than talk down another, another system. As an IB continuum world school, we offer an externally accredited unique and comprehensive educational experience that prepares students for success in an ever-changing global landscape. The IB Continuum creates a seamless educational framework that spans K-12 education, sort of 4 to 18, providing a consistent and coherent approach to education that places the learner at the centre. It inspires and enables them to own their own learning journey. And our students benefit from a rigorous and well-rounded curriculum that emphasizes critical thinking, creativity, communication, and collaboration. Through inquiry-based and interdisciplinary learning experiences, our students develop skills and knowledge necessary to be successful today and in the future, whatever that may hold. Our students can not only deal with ambiguity, they can thrive in it and lead others through it. So in the primary years program, which is often referred to as PYP, our students engage in hands-on learning experiences that encourage curiosity, creativity, and critical thinking. They learn to communicate effectively, collaborate with their peers, and develop the skills necessary to become lifelong learners. Each of the IB elements culminates in a sort of celebration, and the, the culminating element of this program is called the PYPX, which is the Primary Years Program Exhibition. And it's a project where students undertake a personal inquiry that they're passionate about. And it brings together a multitude of learning experiences they've had through the program and leads them into action. And they present it to an audience. So this year's PYPX blew my mind. We had student projects that were all linked to the United Nations Development, Sustainable Development Goals. You know, these are 11-year-olds talking about innovation, identity, consumerism, equity, endangered animals, reducing inequality, mental health, overfishing and neurodiversity. I mean, it's 11 years old. And that's, I think that's a, a great example of how the lower school program leads students to be able to do that. And they move into the middle years program referred to as MYP, 
And our students build on this foundation by deepening their understanding of subject areas and exploring global issues. They develop research skills, critical thinking skills, interdisciplinary knowledge that prepares them for success in their graduating programs and beyond. I mean, this program culminates in students having pathways towards accreditations like the NYP certificate, in which students sit a range of e-assessments and complete exciting and engaging learning portfolios, as well as their sort of final project, which is called the NYP personal project. And this often is an inspirational culmination of students' learning expressed through, again, a guided passion project. This year's student projects have included environmental projects from things like natural beekeeping through to sustainable clothing or technological projects from integrating virtual reality to a programming and making a smart mirror that will connect to Alexa and help you organize your life whilst you're getting ready in the mornings. Creative projects like garden design and landscaping or historical investigations like culture is displayed through architecture, social projects around things like investing for beginners or third culture kids or identifying colorblindness, or projects where people learn new skills from bread making to crochet. And then this all leads to the diploma program where our students choose a wide range of courses across six subjects and complete a core curriculum, which includes an extended essay, which is a 4,000 word research project, a course called Theory of Knowledge, often referred to as TOK or TOC, and Creativity, Activity and Service, often referred to as CAS. This balanced and challenging program provides students with opportunities to develop specialised knowledge and skills in areas of interest, while also developing a global perspective and a commitment to service and social responsibility. It is the ideal preparation for university education anywhere across the globe. Alternatively, our students could take what's called the IB Careers Related Programme, which provides students with a pathway that focuses on a particular vocational area. And for us, that vocational area is business and innovation. And this pathway enables students to explore that area in more depth, work alongside business leaders, develop authentic projects that are tested in the business world, foster an innovative mindset. And that program intersects with elements of the IBDP. Students take some IBDP courses to provide that balance. And both IBDP and IBCP end with personal projects using the theory of knowledge exhibition, extended essay, reflective projects, again, where students are able to reflect, share their passion in an academic setting, as well as a commitment to developing action through service. There are many educational programs that can help uh, young people to gain access to universities in the wider world which is ultimately the goal of most of them. But our approach is not just to access, but to enable students to flourish in whatever pathway they take next and beyond. Our students are confident, caring, effective learners who are ready to change the world. And our goal is to inspire the world's future thinkers and doers. And they take the foundations gained with us and they use those foundations to go on and make the world a better place. And I think that's what makes an all-through IB school like ours really special. Oh, it just sounds incredibly inspirational. You mentioned the IB career-related programme there. That's a recent introduction, I believe. Yeah, we are introducing the IB careers-related programme. We're really excited to to bring that. I mentioned it briefly. It's a kind of more focused course. Students still pick at least two of the IB diploma courses, but the main element of it is their study on business and innovation. And we're really excited about this programme because we've already got some of the UK's top businesses who are partnering with us. So this includes the Merlin Entertainment Group, you know, who run big theme parks like Thorpe Park and Chessington World Adventures, but also like Legoland and Sea Life Centres, Madame Tussauds, places like that. 
BP, who are global leaders in the energy sector, and some other local businesses. Now, we know that small and medium businesses are the lifeblood of any economy. And we're working with these business leaders who are going to act as business mentors to help give our students access to real world experiences, but also work with us to help design units of learning. That means that students can build up their interest in business innovation and they'll kind of get a jump start through this program. You know, they'll learn the theory alongside the practice and they'll work on actual business projects with successful business partners. The skills, knowledge and connections our students will gain are going to put them in the driving seat for their careers. There's a new co-curricular programme too, Mark. I'd love to understand more about this and how it will benefit the students. Absolutely. Well, I did mention our new strategic plan. So at the centre of that plan is the learner and all the IB learner profile attributes. So these are attributes that we're developing in our young people. You know, the same attributes that that, uh, employers are always talking about looking for, you know, knowledgeable and caring, balanced risk takers who can inquire, reflect, communicate, who are open-minded, creative thinkers, these type of attributes. So this central element is wrapped up by our learning program, which includes a kind of academic program, which I've kind of talked to you a bit about already, an enrichment program, a focus on well-being, which is so very important for all of us, but young people these days, our partnerships program, which links to the charitable arm of our organization, and then the co-curricular activities you mentioned. Now, we believe that each of those elements are crucial to develop an IB learner. And our co-curricular program has a range of opportunities from sports and performing and visual arts, STEM programs, you know, science, technology, engineering, mathematics programs. We use one particular called Destination Imagination, for which we are the UK lead school. We have debating opportunities through programs like the Model United Nations, MUN, or leadership development programs through things like the Duke of Edinburgh Awards. So as well as an opportunity to be part of our community for things like yearbook committees, student councils, things like that. Now, our sports program, we have a no-drop philosophy where we work to enable all students who want to play to play either in developmental or competitive teams. Our performing arts program offers music, drama, dance opportunities as well as chance to be part of school shows, bands, choirs. Our visual arts and design courses encourage students to explore their own understanding of art and communicate with the world, but also enter things like regional and national competitions. And all of these programs are designed to inspire students to follow passions, but also encouraging them to try new activities, to take on new challenges and to meet new friends. Looking ahead, how do you think technology like AI will impact education? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one we're all trying to find our way through. And I think sometimes we forget that AI has been around actually for a long time. And, you know, in some more basic elements like spelling and grammar checks, you know, help students accurately reference their work. What's happening with the rise of things like ChatGDP and Google AI and what appears to almost be a new platform every week at the moment, I think it's probably the biggest step potentially in all of our lives and it will definitely impact education. I don't understand schools who try and control it by not allowing students to access technology, devices or apps. You know, we're a one-to-one school, so our students have been using an iPad all the way from lower school all the way through and up to a bring-your-own-device program in high school. And, and our students, they're all digital natives. And whether we like it or not, the digital world and AI, it's all here to stay. So we need to help young people be critical thinkers uh, and critical users of technology. I mean, just like previous generations, you know, who who had to learn how to navigate the influence of 
TV that was piped into their home or 24 hour news cycles. The key is knowing what information you can trust and how we can check claims and not get manipulated by things like fake news and conspiracy theories. And as an IB scholar, I'd like to think that we're already ahead of the game with the way that we approach learning. And with programs like the theory of knowledge, whose essential question is to ask, how do we know what we know? We're already teaching students to be critical thinkers. Now we've had access to the world's knowledge at our fingertips and in our pockets for years now. I mean, the internet changed the world. And with it, jobs that were lost over time, but then new industries and roles have emerged. And I think AI will be similar. It's inevitable that it will change education, but ultimately any successes in life are rooted in connecting with other people. You know, being able to communicate effectively across different mediums, make authentic connections with others. This is all crucial. And navigating an ever-changing world is, is what I feel we're doing in schools like ACS Egham. You know, we're not pumping our students full of knowledge to conduct memory tests, collect a grade to meet a governmental target. You know, we're creating confident, caring, effective learners who are ready to change the world. And that it means we have to embrace what technology offers and learn how to utilize it for good and be aware of where it can be less effective in, in young people's lives. It's all about educating young people. And I've got to be honest, in many ways, it moves so fast that young people themselves are often doing a lot of the educating of, of us teachers when it comes to it. But it, it's about being open-minded and embracing it and seeing it in a balanced way for what it can bring that's beneficial, but being aware of the potential pitfalls. What is your future vision for ACS Egham? You know, I think that as educators, I'm in the inspiration business or the business of inspiration. So ACS Egham's future under my steward will remain focused on inspiring people to take on challenges and go beyond what even they thought they, was even possible. I think we're, we're on a really exciting journey, not just to create a truly outstanding school, but we're also going to challenge preconceived ideas, continue to innovate, and ultimately to learn and grow. We'll make mistakes. There's a phrase that's often attributed to Nelson Mandela that comes to mind. It's something along the lines of, if we try and it works, we win. And if it doesn't, we learn, so we still win. And I think we have to be open-minded and embrace what the future holds for us. You know, in our strategic plan, what it does, it brings together the expectations of organizations like the International Baccalaureate Organization, our accrediting bodies, referred to as NIAS, which stands for the New England Association of Schools and Colleges, which enables us to offer our high school diploma, the desires and passions of the ACS Egham community. And it keeps us focused on putting learners and learning first and at putting learning at the center of all decision making. And that way we can strive towards inspiring these next generation of global thinkers and doers. So the plan has been shaping up over the course of this first year. Like I said, I'm super excited to share it with everybody and then to help all of our stakeholders to help me to build it, to be involved in having a voice and shaping where we're going to go next. The basics of the plan there, the parameters are there, the direction is there. That's an important part of my role. But how we build it is something we'll have to do going forward. So I look forward, I guess, in terms of uh, the future for ACS Egham is building that plan with our community and then getting everybody as excited about it as I am. And really then the real fun work begins when we try to turn that into a reality and really do make this a school that the rest of the educational world looks to for inspiration. That's kind of where I, I hope to think we're going.
Well, I feel your excitement is infectious, Mark. Thank you so much for your time today. The things that have stayed with me, particularly during this podcast episode, curiosity, creativity, critical thinking, aim high and make it happen. Always be modeling passion, authentic connections with others and effective learners ready to change the world. Thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode. To find out more about ACS Egham, visit us on acs-schools.com. Dot com forward slash Egham. <laughs> <laughs>